Blank vs. Blank. In honor of Godzilla vs. Kong, Aliens vs. Predator, and movies starring The Rock and Vin Diesel in the same scene, what two movie monsters need to face off and whoever wins, we lose battle? I'm Katie Rich, and this is a super snobby film Twitter answer, but I'm giving it anyway. Daniel Plainview versus Reynolds Woodcock. Just because it's obnoxious doesn't mean I'm not right. I'm Matt Patches, and I'm going to go with The Baba Duke 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 versus – I was trying to think of a creepy kid. Maybe the Children of the Corn or that kid from Twilight Zone, but no, we have Esther to go with the ultimate. From, uh, Esther from yeah, Orphan. Uh, well, she's technically old, not – She's not a real mm, that's kid. That's true, technically. She's just an impersonating kid. That's what kid. they say but about me. I had to go with the ultimate demon child, Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> uh, and I'm David the Seven, and I'm going with Val Kilmer and Aaron Eckhart, the real people. Just like, <laughs> let them let fight. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine, too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 342. It is pandemic 54. It is the week of Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. That's the day that in 1889, the Eiffel Tower officially opened. There you go. Uh-oh. Did you know that the Eiffel Tower was uh, created by um, those Tomorrowland people? I, I thought I had a myth- mythology pull from that uh, Brad Bird movie, Tomorrowland, but I Was don't. that a thing that happened in Tomorrowland? <laughs> yes. I remember that part. The, well, the, the group that lives in the alternate dimension the... were the ones who built the Eiffel Tower or something? Yeah. Frank Splitland. I'm reading Wikipedia. Using a teleportation Tower... device, the yeah, trio the traveled Tower, to like... the top of the Eiffel Tower. Don't they, like, travel somewhere inside the Eiffel Tower? Oh, Plus Ultra, yes. They built this thing. It zaps them to um, Tomorrowland, I think. They travel to a tachyon machine. So uh, apparently Gustav Eiffel, Jules Verne, Nikola Tesla, and Thomas Edison all founded Plus Ultra, which they they built a transportation device in the Eiffel Tower back in whatever date you were saying, 1889. Congratulations. Man, back in the 1800s, we didn't even need mother boxes. Ah, the the before times. (laughs) The good old yeah. days. Now you have to create the unity to get to where you're going. Yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole process. You have to some shitty men to have just like shoveled the four spoonfuls of dirt over the mother box and hid it in a forest and not given a shit where it wound up. Yeah. Tesla would have hit the mother box much better. Geocaching. <laughs> this is not the part of the podcast where we talk about uh, people talking to us. That's coming soon. But did you guys see that someone tweeted at us that like, the hardest they have left all year was our discussion of the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> so I feel really. I mean, crap. I don't even think we made any jokes during that segment last week. I think, <laughs> I think we were it just was talking a lot honestly. about how, how how he should have been more afraid of someone whose name was Manhunter, and I stand by it. <laughs> I, I, I still live in fear. <laughs> well, you don't live in a beautiful glass box house on a lake, so I think you're okay. Um, well, people can probably tell by now that David's not here. He's he's fine. He's on vacation. Good for David. Uh, he thought he we... could outrun Godzilla versus Kong, but he's wrong because he doesn't know on what day it is ever, and he doesn't keep track of the podcast schedule, so he doesn't realize he took vacation the week before Godzilla versus Kong. He tried to outsmart us, and we looped him he back failed. in. So he'll be back next week in time to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. But in the meantime, it appears that Dave is not going to talk about Godzilla versus Kong because we have Drat. reviews again. Yes, it seems we have two reviews written in the last week. Thank you for uh, leaving them. We we typically read these off the podcast app, uh, Apple Podcasts, but 
Hey, if you send us a good tweet, we would we would read that too. We don't really go on Facebook anymore. Sorry. Um, so this is from uh, Duggernaut92. says, fantastic pod. I started listening a few months ago, and I feel like I've been friends with all of you for years. Delightful disagreements and equally silly and serious. I'm one of those geeks who goes to the movies by myself all the time, and these are the kind of conversations I wish I could have with friends about cinema and its social function. Too many people just watch movies through the lens of whether they liked them or not. I love to think about the extra textual analysis, how there's so much more to the movie than what you see and hear. So you are all my friends now. Smiley face. Thank you, Duggar. I don't know. I'm reading it in a creepier way than it probably is. It's very earnest, and we appreciate that. But um, I Yes, don't, what good are, opinions, Duggar. I would go to the movies by myself right now. It's probably a good idea. Even with just your one shot? Well, actually, the CDC did say they're 80% immune. I wasn't planning on going to the movie theater with just one shot. Yes, I have one shot. I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but, yeah, um, since we last recorded, I also have one shot. I can't remember shit. if we decided, is the pandemic over when we're all vaccinated? Is, not like for everyone. So. Like, are we going to stop the pandemic episode numbers? I think that I think it's a right. possibility. This Friday uh, in Colorado, vaccines open to everybody. So Here's I a- officially get back in the line. Oh, shit. Congratulations. Well, can you make an appointment yeah, yet? Thank you. You didn't do anything. No, no, no. So. No, no, no. no. It has to, it, it happens on, it happens on Friday, but, wow. uh, considering, I don't know. Last time you asked me, I would have said like August Look, looks like not. Yeah. Looks things like are moving quickly around the country. I would say if you, uh, live in America, you could probably get vaccinated soon and you should. I don't, I don't feel any guilt for, well, being overweight and being, uh, able to get the shot here in New Jersey, but also I'm doing my, I'm doing I'm doing my duty as an American to get vaccinated, so I feel yep. good. Well, we'll we'll all get the shot. We'll stop the pandemic count, and we'll have a segment relitigating if we could go to movie theaters. Mm. Well, the, my question I, to you, Dave, and I feel like you know the answer to this, which is like, when does is COVID nineteen still at pandemic status? Are we still in a pandemic? Uh, definitely, I, numbers I believe, are going yes. up. So yeah, yes. it, we're we are very much still in a pandemic. Okay, at least that's today's I, uh, CDC update was like. Terror. Terror was basically what they were. I think she literally said terror. (laughs) Yeah, expressing. Okay, yes. I mean, we're still at a moment where we have to make sure people know we're in a pandemic. I was just, uh, I wanted to confirm because I I hadn't read that fact in a while, but I could have assumed we're still in a pandemic, but maybe we I'm pretty sure Matt Patrick's like, why isn't my favorite bar open for indoor drinking whenever (laughs) I I want? I I definitely want my favorite bars to be open. Um, Well, bars across the country are are open for indoor drinking. We just don't go to them. Um, yes. That is the the world that we live in. But maybe the pandemic episode should end when we're not technically in a pandemic anymore. Oh, I don't know wow. When wow. that happens. What, what, we got to wait for who or yeah, something like to the tell world us health. when that's over. Oh, man. That's going to be like solidly another year probably. Well, who leave a leave a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. We do let have one know. more review. Oh, yeah. I, let's do that. I, I don't want to ignore this. It's from... Um, Charon the Boatman, who is down in hell or something. Um, Why aren't there any? Five stars. Thanks. I know I gave the podcast five stars officially, but pretend that this is a four-star review. Hmm, Okay. Why four stars? For one reason only. The sole gripe I have with the podcast is this. No commercials. I know what some are thinking. You can't actually be upset about that. What is wrong with you? People don't like commercials. Bitworth shouldn't have them. KPD. I don't. There were no. There was no end of the quote. There was quotes there, but I wasn't sure when the end of the uh, what the screaming was about. Well, we could have. We could have fake commercials. 
We could have mm-hmm. like WandaVision commercials where there's inside jokes to uh, wow. like get your soul surfer surfboard here. I feel like, um, you know, like Tubi should have been paying us already. Like we're doing mm-hmm. ads. We should be making you buy things. If you're listening to our show correctly, you're being a good consumer capitalist after it, I feel. So uh, like we don't need the additional commercials. Really, that would just be giving us money. And I don't know how that makes you feel better. Listener. Yeah, don't give us money. Don't, don't give, give us money. Don't give us money. We don't need give us money a, when we, we have something st- to offer you. You're stimmy. <laughs> yeah, everybody, you know, we're all offering you things somewhere else. This is where we get to, you know, get in the little war room. <laughs> to and, offer you whatever we feel like. Yeah, just you get you get to whatever's served here in the cafeteria in the war room. <laughs> we you get to put up with. <laughs> we give you a stimmy, listener. <laughs> ew, ew, I, you're not welcome the arrival of that word into this podcast. Don't no, worry, we'll you. we'll be talking about stimmies in our next segment. Not to teach you. Will we? Well, I felt stimmied. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, leave us a uh, review. This is the part that Katie usually says. I don't no. know. Leave I'm, us a review. I don't know. I, 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 I half asked that. Leave us a review. This week, we snuck in. We all decided over the weekend, or even on like earlier today, we were all going to watch Bad Trip, a new movie kind of from Eric Andre, the brain of Eric Andre, of, of adult swim fame, comedian. What else has Eric Andre done? Dave, do you know anything that Eric Andre has done off the top of your head? I, do, I know the Eric Andre show from Adult Swim where complete chaos uh, ensues, but I, I think he's on Disenchantment, that Matt Gronig Netflix show that I watched like five episodes of and pretty much gave Isn't up on. Isn't the Eric Andre show his main thing, though? I guess that's his main thing. He's a voice in The Lion King 2019. Good God. Didn't know that. Well, that was that is not what we know him from. Anyway, he's Eric Andre... Rough Night. <laughs> it's funny he that has, he's been he in Now a, Bad Trip and Rough Night. He has a <laughs> gonzo comedy sensibility, so it did not surprise me when... Uh, it turned out that he had apparently made a kind of like Borat esque prank movie with a with a narrative, um, and uh, with his old buddy Katao Sakurai, who directed a bunch of Eric Andre show. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect. I, like I saw the trailers, and um, Lil Ray Howery is in it, and um, uh, Tiffany Haddish is in it and it just looked like hey we're a bunch of friends and we're gonna prank some real people and there might be a, a, enough of a story to kind of connect the sketches and, and that was gonna be that and you know Borat had come out just a few months ago and I I couldn't really imagine having the capacity to give a shit uh, about this kind of movie after Borat did it to such surprising su- success just a few months ago and my god I need I need to stop listening to myself i need to stop talking myself out of the things that would give me <laughs> I need simple to stop joys trusting my gut <laughs> yeah my gut is so wrong no my brain i need to trust my gut and trust my heart and stop listening to my my brain because of course i'm a huge fan of the jackass movies um huge fan of the borat movies this seems to be a kind of blend of both of them and eric andre is not to be underestimated i think this is true to his spirit and sensibility as a comedian and this movie's absolutely deranged um i I loved it. It's a, a slick 90 minutes, um, and it's astonishing work of, of stunts and pranks and meshing 
scripted with, um, I guess, reality nonfiction, like getting non-actors accidentally on camera, unsuspecting victims of his pranks and integrating them into the plot. I think it is like the Mad Max Fury Road of production value when it comes to, I don't know, like... There are scenes where Eric Andre bursts into a house where someone like a cleaning lady is there and she, he bursts through glass and she has no idea it's coming. Like that. What kind of preparation goes into that or launching himself off the top of a bar into a table or or just causing complete mayhem. They, they in flip a... a car over and like crawl out of the wreckage in front of people. I don't know yeah, why they did there's that. just so many amazing stunts. And obviously this movie is not begging for that level of scrutiny in the moment. You're just enjoying the reaction shots of all these people who cannot believe what's happening because it is it seems so real and the and the production value is so high that they and the stunt people can pull this all off it's it's really quite amazing and i do think there's something like fury road level intellectual about uh the way that they pull off these stunts and then to swing it in the completely other direction i i kept thinking about nomadland during this movie guys and the re- and like and how uh Zhao uses non actors to make you know francis mcdormand's world more realistic this movie has a lot of heart um it is taking the most basic kind of rom-com plot imaginable it it really feeds off our knowledge of movies to make the, all the the connective tissue work eric andre plays this guy chris who crosses paths one day with his old high school crush and she leaves he's i think in florida and she's in new york so he's gonna road trip there with his best friend lorel howard uh, lorel howie playing bud and um yeah they're just gonna take a road trip and of course they steal uh bud's sister's car played by tiffany haddish so tiffany haddish is in jail and escapes jail and is going to chase them that's the whole premise <laughs> of the movie and then they meet a bunch of people and all the people are so sweet and all the people are so nice and like they're getting pranked and they're scared shitless of like violence being caused and people being in trouble and there's one sketch where uh tiffany haddish is escaping from jail and she kind of like crawls out (laughs) from the bottom of a of a jail bus uh corrections vehicle or something and she's like i'm i'm escaped I, i i which way do i go and the guy who witnesses this is like you can, he's sweating under pressure, the moral pressure of like, do you help this woman who's escaping from jail, who's telling you that she doesn't deserve to be locked up? She needs to go live her life. Um, and he he points her in the direction. He's like, run, just run, get out of here. <laughs> and then the policeman comes back and he's like, what happened? And he and this guy is just like making split decisions. And But he seems like the nicest guy ever. He's trying to help everyone. He's doing what a, a good person should do. Um, and I thought it was so authentic and real. And, and a lot of the encounters are like this, that I couldn't help but think of Nomadland, where it's like, it really helps that real people are in these situations and they're being forced to make real decisions and and we're stepping up to be heroes in certain respects or there's a scene where eric andre crashes on a bench and is like professing his love and this old man is is giving him like a speech that seems written for the movie but is not it's just like a really sweet authentic thing that's and then he starts like dancing away from the bench and singing like he's in a musical (laughs) and there's this woman like i mean the way they cut i don't know how it really happened but like this woman's looking at him askance and the old man on the bench is like he's in love He's in love. He's crazy. He's in love. I mean, it, it's perfect. Um, and also in that same scene, Eric Andre jumps on a car and starts dancing. And I'm not sure the guy who's driving the car was part of the gag. I can't it's tell. It's really hard to know. It looks amazing. Uh, that scene with a guy who helps Tiffany Haddish escape from jail, like it was one of a couple where the cops get involved. And I started feeling 
a little queasy about it because like even though these people are all debriefed they've signed waivers they know they eventually knew that they were in the movie the idea of people especially a black man like being made to think that he was lying to a cop like you see him like press his hands against the wall when the sheriff guy comes to talk to him and i'm like i'd like this i feel bad for what this guy is going through even though but don't you think that's part of the movie in some respects i mean eric andre (sighs) confronts race directly when he is i mean he and lorey howard are are driving to like the whitest part of the south let's go to a dive bar with all the white people i don't think the movie is unaware of race and i don't think the movie is even unaware like you know tiffany haddish driving around in a stolen cop car with the door off like terrorizing like white people on the highway is hilarious because of that like it it uses that for its power but like the part of me that like doesn't like getting pranked personally like for the most part this movie didn't set that tripwire in my brain because everyone is being really nice and helpful and then the the closing credits is all the footage of like the people showing up with the clapperboard being like you're in a movie and these people are like so excited and like eric andre's there like giving them hugs and tiffany haddish is joking with them so you get the like release of it but there were just a tiny handful of moments where I was like, I wish those people hadn't had to go through that, even if it creates this like great moment in the movie. But it's better. It's better than Borat in that respect. This Borat movie got a lot of flack, I think, for for punching down and, and disrupting people. Yeah. But this one, even though you know a bunch of people are at a bar or a bunch of people are touring a zoo, <laughs> they are not. I don't feel like their lives are being ruined or disrupted, or they're getting. It's not no. like he's pulling well, the uh, pants down or something and laughing. No, 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 at no. Them, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. There's a. I think there's a major difference between something like Borat, where those specific people are put into a situation where there's you know expected to react a certain way, and our you know joy or whatever is to see them either live up to that or not. Whereas just like Bad Trip is like they see something that you shouldn't see in real life happen in front of them. Like, what do you do? Yeah. Which I think is a much more interesting type of prank comedy than like trying to lance somebody's worldview by putting them in a situation where they're naturally going to look bad. I think yeah, that's like, why like, oh, yeah. the, the people in this movie are much like the, the, the babysitter in Borat, the woman who's like left with Tutar and like tries to teach her to have respect for herself. Yeah. Like, th- like it's like a whole movie full of those people. Yes. Like the army recruiter guy who like talks Eric Andre out of like trying to like enlist. Cause he's like, you just gotta oh get God, back to your best that. friend, man. Just like tell him how you feel. <laughs> it's he's like, really think sweet. about, think about how low you're feeling right now. You just ran over to me and told me you'd suck my dick to get uh, into the <laughs> army like you shouldn't do this like that's so sweet of him to and then say. like they have this like tearful reunion on the bus and all the people around them are just like i'm so happy for you guys like they're all like delighted to and because like this you know patches you're talking about how it uses like a rom-com plot but like it turns that on its head like spoilers for the plot of bad trip but it ends with eric andre and laura howie being like yeah we're each other's soulmates like we we just need to be friends still and it's so great it's just it such a great tone to end this like overall but they also have those conversations with people that they meet on the road like they go to a diner at some point and they're talking about like having sex with girls or something and their old white lady uh waitress comes over she's like I have sex with a lot of people, all different genres and genders. <laughs> different genres and genders will stick in my brain for the rest of my life. What, what? an amazing phrase. Ah, just so honest and beautiful. Well, Katie, did you – and Dave, you saw a little bit of this movie. I know you had to hit pause, but what, what did – are there any of the sketches – I guess I call them sketches or, or pranks in the movie that um, – blew your mind uh or or that you laughed i mean you kind of brought it up before but the title sequence where he's late for work and it's a series of him like running through (laughs) like there is what like there's shots that look like they're from people's like home security cameras but he's obviously surprising them so like i have no idea how those are pulled off 
the fact that that's also all at the beginning, it gets it all right out of the way where you're like, is that an incredibly good actor pretending to be that maid that, you know, does it? And that doesn't matter at all because yeah. it just plays as genuine. Also, she's definitely so it kind not of like she's in the uh, credits. Yeah, too, you see her get surprised. debriefed at the end of it. <laughs> okay, good. Either way, then, yes, it's uh, it's the type of movie that I think it it's silly enough uh in the correct type of ways that it i'm watching it on on the multiple types of levels like wondering if something's genuine or not and instead of like falling back on filmmaking techniques what i'm left with is does it feel genuine and that really works to this movie's favor in a way that i think it doesn't work with borat because of the subject matter that he chose to like skewer and so it, there's a even though I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm not all the way through it I'm, I'm into it and i think as the movie goes on and more people like really stand out like um the um the army recruiter guy there's this guy who like breaks up a fight between the two of them and he like kind of gets between them and i think laurel says something like he's an idiot and the guy's like well that might be true but that's not what we need to talk about right now and it's <laughs> such a funny line and you know that like you know he's not an actor because the movie is not about that like the point of the movie is not to show off some actor being in the background and there's this other woman where they're like in a restaurant and like they come in and tiffany haddish comes in and like everyone in the restaurant gets involved in like their family saga and this one woman is just like yelling at everybody and this guy with her is like you're talking too much and like she's <laughs> great like I, I told patches that like it feels like there's like eight people who should also have their entire own movie who show up in this movie yeah I, good I, two, Bad things, trip so too. That, two things that point though uh the, the camera work in the movie uh what you were saying dave like how where they plant cameras how they have cameras at different places we've reached such a level where like uh the, the sneaking is is it's, it's like yeah, a military a operation sequence. or something there's a dance sequence in the mall really early on, and mm-hmm. the way people are reacting to it, it's like they don't know that he's playing to a camera. But there's like dancers and Eric Andre, and they're obviously playing to a camera, but nobody addresses the right. camera. Like, I have no idea how that was necessarily blocked and shot. Like, no one even feigns to look in the direction that this performance I, is aimed at. And I think it's, it's a really, really cunning editing job. You know, you were yeah. talking about that opening sequence where he's running through different places. Obviously, these are all different setups, and these are all just keep doing this stunt in different places in different ways and then splicing it all together to make it really feel like a movie sequence. It doesn't feel like a punked sketch where you see Ashton Kutcher whispering into the mic and being like, do this next. Like, that's not the fun of it. The fun of it is how it somehow is both, it is a real movie. It feels like a cohesive thing, even though there's a lot of non-actors and it's fueled by the the pranks. Yeah, Um, the only way I can imagine them successfully pulling this off is just doing those bits over and over again until it works like you wake up one day you put on the same outfit for your running bit and you do two hours of running bits hoping you get one shot and then you go and you sit next to dudes on a bench and do that for a couple of days and yeah. hope you get that one shot. You see in the credits too the um, where he wakes up in the morning where he's learned he's like buried under a pile of garbage in the bathtub. Oh yeah, the plumbers. There were there, there. were there were a couple different plumbers who they did that with. I like I don't I don't know how those guys wound up in there. Um, but yeah, you you see like the attempts to get it right in that guy. I mean that guy's face was priceless. Like of course they chose him. I also really liked that the movie was made in Atlanta and. Um... Maybe it's just the abundance of, of like Borat and the Jackass guys and punked, but it's a very homogenous like white experience for some reason to be able to do these punk things and this level of. I'm, I'm getting way too deep here, but like the level of privilege it takes to just 
dunk on people and and do this kind of shit. Um, but to have it like take place predominantly in in black communities and for it to I, I don't know, there's this warmness to it too. Like there's a real feeling of community, and it's just like. There's so many things that are different about this movie. And then, of course, it's also a movie where Eric Andre runs into a gorilla pit and gets fucked in the ass by a gorilla. And then the gorilla comes on his face. So I don't want people to make I don't want it to seem like we're getting too deep here because and the see, pleasures, is, the pleasures are very visceral. You correctly <laughs> identified that as a joke that I would not be that into. But again, it's the way the people around him are like watching and like Laurel Harry gave an interview talking about like how he was like trying to like look upset and get their reactions out. But he was like crying with laughter but like trying to play it off as like he was upset so funny. and their reactions to being in the um like when they find out in the credits that they were on camera are really good like all the people to, in that zoo were great i just want to talk and and the, and he is you know uh, sasha baron cohen talked a bit about this with the making of borat subsequent movie film which is like there were dangerous times in making this movie and i think yeah uh this film uh bad trip uh has the same i mean there's a scene where uh Chris and Bud are attached by the penis via Chinese finger trap and they're running around town and they run into a barber shop and literally through the window you see a guy pull a knife on them and they run back out of the barber shop and he, the man with the knife is chasing them down the block and they are just like hobbling together because their penises are stuck together like that well, shit is intense that is, well, that is another intense. guy tries to swing a golf club at them in that, that is uh, true. in that part uh, uh, I should also hang on. I should look up the actress's name before I look it up. But the woman who played uh, Michaela Conlon, who plays Maria, who's like the woman who he's traveling to New York for, it's like a small part, but she has to like sell some especially insane moments in front of real people, and she does a really good job for being well, in kind of a, a tiny. She part. has a great scene, and this speaks to why I think the movie's really inventive in the storytelling too, which is like there's a flashback in the movie. Of course, there is. A movie might have, a, or no, it's a dream sequence. Yeah, it's a dream where sequence. He's imagining himself with her, uh, and they're. <laughs> life together in new york now that's really interesting because it's like it's not taking linear place it's not like i don't know to stage a flashback but still have that be part of the pranks like she attacks a guy who eyes her up or something at the at like the uh, i don't know flea market or something she, and she, she starts beating a, the shit out and then she beats a blind man with his cane she beats a blind man with his cane and robs him and, and people are just away. like what the fuck um and it's a dream suit so anything goes but yeah, it play or to it's also subverts the like acid trip scenes in movies. Uh except they're really fucking up a grocery store and everyone is like what are you doing? Like Eric Andre buries himself in the freezer section of a grocery store during an acid trip, quote unquote, but it's playing with the movie trope and it's really doing it and people are freaking out. Like what would happen if people had an acid trip like you would in the movies? It's that. Um it's like something out of go but real. Uh, it was, it's, the movie is really, really funny and I, I don't want to just explain every joke, but I don't think I can do any joke justice. So the movie is on Netflix. Now you have 90 minutes to watch this one. I highly recommend it. So there's a sequel to Space Jam coming out. Heard it's of called it? Space Jam Two. I believe LeBron James is going to be in it. Uh, Heard of they him. Have, they have been animating it. Uh, it involves I forget the plot, but it sounds 
dumb, like going to some sort of internet space for brands. Is it dumber than the original Space Jam plot, though, which is also pretty dumb? It's not. I don't know. It might be as dumb, but it's definitely more synergized this time because Mm. he like goes through different WB properties. Yes. So it's not it's it's like uh, Space Jam one. But if the Monstars were uh, the Justice League ready player one, but make it Space Jam. Yeah, yeah, that that one's good too. Uh, so we've got some character posters uh, that have just <laughs> been released. Um, We're hitting uh, the hard we... news on this week's. Friday Actually, Patrick, the, the color news. of your Zoom background is very in the color oh, yeah, scheme is, of the Zoom. <laughs> the, the, the aesthetic posters. of the movie is very polygon. It is. We've got some orange and purple uh, gradient character posters of some Looney Tunes you might recognize. I don't know if you guys heard, but Pepe Le Pew has been cut from this movie. Um and you know canceled by the PC police. I never liked Pepe Pepe Le Pew. Those those cartoons where he's grabbing and kissing things that that is not funny. I always liked how he would like accidentally get painted like a cat, or the cat would get painted like a skunk. Like the cat would get painted like a, I think that's a good joke for sure. But I always feel like maybe you could have gender reversed it, and it would have been less creepy. It would have been Miss Piggy. It would have been well, yeah. Miss Piggy isn't that creepy. No. And then not like Pepe Le Pew creepy. Or then like the, the Warner Brothers staple of the uh, trope of the giant domineering woman and the tiny little man who does all the things. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, man. That's really good. That's really good. Um, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I feel like you just gender reverse it. Anyway, also, Pepe, Pe- Le, Pew, maybe Pepe Le Pew could have been in the movie if he just didn't grab any women. Like, is Pepe Le Pew but so But then what, is he, what else does he do? He just is a skunk in the background. Why He's do you have a- to cut Pepe Le Pew? And he talks in a funny French accent. French accents are hilarious. You're uh-huh. trying to uh, neuter Pepe Le Pew. It's worse than <laughs> canceling him. <laughs> uh, anyway, but one of these character posters does feature uh, one uh, Speedy Gonzalez. And uh, we were asked via Matt Patches in the chat today if that was cool. Is Speedy Gonzalez cool? And as a fellow and Gonzalez, I, I just want to be clear. Forward. I had a question mark on this. I had no take. I just don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know what the Pepe Le Pew, or not the Pepe Le Pew, the Speedy Gonzalez discourse in 2021 is going to be. I could imagine after the Pepe Le Pew controversy that maybe there'd be. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what people think about Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah, I'm only going to speak as a Gonzalez uh, and not necessarily, you know, as an immigrant or anything like that. I'm just an American uh, Latin Gonzalez. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say we like Speedy Gonzalez because Speedy Gonzalez is a hero. He talks funny, but all Warner Brothers characters are based on making fun of accents or speech impediments. So I'm not really worried about that being a thing. And he's not uh, portraying negative Mexican stereotypes. The joke is that he's against, like, Slowpoke Rodriguez. And that's the negative Mexican stereotype. The lazy Mexican who doesn't do anything. We don't like Slowpoke Rodriguez. We like Speedy Gonzalez because he gets things done. And he gets things done super fast. And he's super friendly. I I don't think he's necessarily a, a racial... Uh, problematic uh, character. I think it's much more along the ideas of like uh, Yosemite Sam doesn't need to have guns, which they're also doing in the new uh, Looney that, Tunes. That you seems just tweak him a little bit. Yosemite, you Sam has a, a little bit. Yosemite Sam has a funny voice. He doesn't need to shoot guns. Yeah. 
I mean, still having a funny voice, that's that's going to be a thing. Do we want to talk about, you know, speech? Yeah, Warner Brothers has basically made speech impediments into physical animals that people, you know, have lisps or always being called Sylvester or Stutters to get compared to Porky Pig. That's like a different issue, I think. Uh, but as far as race and Space Jam 2 goes, uh, I'm cool with well, uh, Speedy Gonzales being there. We want characters to have accents, right? Like, he can be from another country. I mean, I think that it's fine. I think it's something that you should be aware of at some point in your growth as a human being. When you're watching cartoons, they're funny. That's great. But at some point, you should learn that, you know, Warner Brothers made cartoons off of people talking funny. Now, would you have sex with Lola Bunny? Yes. (laughs) All right. That's great. I don't know if I've told you this, Patches, or Katie, uh, but... The like first memory I could have of a dream where I kissed somebody was um, like I was young and dreaming, and I kissed Gadget Hackenwrench from Rescue Rangers. Wow! Hang on, I'm gonna look this you up. Can't visualize her. Yes, look oh, up Gadget Hackenwrench. She wears goggles. I could visualize her. Yeah, yeah. No, Jumpsuit. I'll never forget what Gadget Hackenwrench looks like. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. no, she's cute. I didn't realize that was her name. No, her jumpsuit's great. Yeah. So Lola Bunny is, you know, just like a femme. There's, yeah, yeah. I'm not necessarily up to like the Jessica Rabbit cartoon feminizing, but uh, I definitely, there's been some furry tendencies planted in me subconsciously by Saturday morning cartoons. Do you know how long it took me to find a picture of uh, Chip undressing Gadget Hackenwrench? I like mean, not long based on no, how not long you've been looking, uh, like on the front on the front page of the Google searches. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Drop seems like you need a uh, safe search on. Uh, Two I things. Mean, it's I've been... not nude. It's just. Oh, very then why suggestive. am I clicking this? Okay, let me see. <laughs> Two things I've been. Um, oh no, here's you know, some boobs. Su- surprised, but not necessarily that surprised about with the internet uh, recently. One is that. If you search, there is uh, a whole bunch of pictures and, like, I think, like, a Tumblr post about a, a group of people who apparently worship Gadget Hack and Wrench, uh, like, in some sort of either joking or sexualized way. And then uh, the second thing is uh, I recently woke up with a song stuck in my head that I was humming, and it took a lot of Googling to figure out it was from a 1987 video cassette. Uh, starring Fred Savage called Dinosaurs, and the song was called Mesozoic Mind. And I'm like, I wonder if I could find this. And then you go to mesozoicmind.com, and it's a fan site built for people who remember this one song from this one VHS tape, uh, and that uh, they're keeping this, it alive. This, uh, anyway, that has been our Space Jam 2 This of, of sexy cartoon characters is reminding me that Pepe Le Pew was uh, subverted with a female character in the Tiny Toons, Minerva Mink. Mm. And oh. uh, let me tell you, she has been hypersexualized on the internet. <laughs> oh, there's some Minerva Mink Dom well, crowd out there. I oh wow! Really didn't, I should. Yeah, I sent you guys a BDSM gadget hack and wrench. Um, you know, Space Jam Two in theaters and HBO Max this <laughs> yeah. summer. <laughs> yeah, that is boo.
So for our third segment tonight, we're going to talk about a film that is has been out for a while. You can watch it on Hulu now, and it is called Another Round. And we're talking about it uh, for a few different reasons. One, it's a fabulous movie. I think we mentioned it on our top ten episode a little bit. Uh, it's directed by Thomas Vinterberg, who I'm a huge, huge fan of. He is a uh, Lars von Trier compatriot, co-founded Dogma 95, Way back when, directed The Celebration. That may have been one of his first films, um, but that is that is a Dogma 95 film that rocked my world way back when. And has made a lot of different kinds of movies over the years. He made uh, Dear Wendy. Uh, who was in that movie? Jamie Bell, I think, was in Dear Wendy, right? Um, I've never even heard of that movie. He made The Hunt with, uh, with Mads, who Mads Mikkelsen is the star of Another Round. Um, and he made some higher production, like a big, some bigger movies, like Far From the Madding Crowd not too long ago. He's kind of done it all. He dabbles in a lot of different genres. And I think what's consistent uh, uh, with his films, with a lot of like Danish film, is just this, this human element. I'm always in a, I'm, I'm pretty amazed by like what Europeans can do and why Euro drama has become its own certifiable thing, which is like, why can they talk about humans and why can they be I, I feel like there's if you made an American version of this movie it would be like a Will Ferrell comedy and we'll get into why soon mm-hmm. but we we don't and there would be an entire section about how the line they crossed was driving <laughs> while drunk if it was American um, you know we struggle in America to to portray realism or to to dabble in that I feel like everything gets labeled like mumblecore or it's just Hollywoodisms and it's all fake. Um, I don't know why we can't tell stories about real people. We struggle to do this when the Europeans do it so well. It probably has to do with like film financing, to be honest, to totally galaxy brain on this, which is like, hey, if you get the money to tell real stories at a certain level, you can do that. But no one in America gives people the money to do that. So you either make I don't know that that's so galaxy so you do brain, really. things at like super low budget levels or super high budget levels, and there's no room for this. But the good news is another round is a movie that exists. It's been nominated for an Oscar. Thomas Vinterberg got kind of surprised director nom. Do you think that's a, it was a surprise, Katie? Uh, I had heard a couple people float the idea of it, and the director's branch has been known to uh, throw out some oddball nominations, like Pawel Polakowski got nominated for um, Cold oh, War sure. for Best Director when it didn't get a Best Picture nomination, which is exactly um, the situation that Thomas Venterberg is in. And I think, I feel like there's another example of this that I'm not thinking. Like Michael Haneke got nominated for Amour, but that also got a Best Picture nomination. Um, anyway, they've, they've been known to have a Europhilic streak. And they're expanding their voting base, too, right? Like, it's become very international. Yeah, the entire Academy has, but certainly the director's branch has as well. Um, anyway, so what is another round about? Another round is about um, microdosing alcohol, of course. Um, it's <laughs> about a very kind of depressed dude played by Mads Mikkelsen, this guy Martin. Um, and he's a teacher, and while celebrating his buddy's 40th birthday, they kind of go around the table, and they're they're poking each other. They're trying to figure out, like, why Martin is in such a funk. And he doesn't really drink, and then all of a sudden he starts drinking, and they have an amazing time. And drinking is awesome, uh, is the big takeaway in the beginning. And they kind of stumble into this study that suggests that if they keep their blood alcohol level, it, this sounds like the 
the pitch for speed or like a Neville Dean and Taylor movie. If you keep your blood alcohol up to a certain level, you will live. Um, you will thrive. And the, the suggestion is that the natural blood alcohol level is too low uh, and that people must drink to be human. Um, so that is exactly what Martin does during the day, even while he's teaching students. And um, this kind of blows up his world in a major way. Uh, what did you guys think of another round? I talked a big game in the beginning that this is a very human movie. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen playing a very subdued character. I feel like he has a reputation mm-hmm. probably because of Hannibal, probably because of Casino Royale for playing like big, larger than life characters. Even in the pusher movies, I know he kind of broke through with those pusher movies way back when from uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. Uh, but he also plays a lot of these kind of just like stoic characters, but I've, I, I, I love him in, um, oh God, what is that movie that, uh, uh never mind. I shouldn't have pulled that out. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm so bad. <laughs> I should have been Look it up after the wedding, after the Suzanne Beer film, oh. another Danish filmmaker, um, another Dogma 95 type person. Uh, that's where he's playing. Like, I'm just going to be staring at people the whole time. Like I love movie and Mads Mikkelsen is very good at just like looking at things and telling you everything. But here he's just like in the dumps. He's a, he's a sad man in the beginning of another round, but is it a, and for no real reason. That's like the interesting thing about it, right? Is like his life is fine, but like nothing is really he has a clicking. A family, a beautiful the wife, a nice house, a job. Yeah. yeah. So what's what's yeah. the deal? Did this resonate with you? Did this get under your skin? Is Thomas Vinterberg best director of the year worthy with this very small, intimate movie? It is really interesting the director nomination because when you think of a best director nomination, you think of like. In your read to making The Revenant or like, you know, Fossil Corwin in Roma, like these enormous ambitious projects. Like, I mean, Nomadland is to some degree like an uh, outlier for that. Everyone thinks Chloe Shaw is going to win. But like there is a huge scope to Nomadland, like literal vistas. And no, and another round is really intimate, like you said. Like it reminded me of a novel where like you're meeting these characters and like the trajectory of the film is just what happens to each of them. Like they each have a certain character arc that they're going to face and you kind of want to see how things turn out for all of them and that is not a really common thing in the oscar category but i don't think it makes it any less interestingly directed because like what you're saying patches about how like the american version of this would be turned into a will ferrell comedy like what's surprising about it and just so like feels like it has a directorial stamp is how confident it is to be quiet and to follow these characters and to not like i mean there's there's some escalation of drama at certain points in the movie but like to unspool the story in exactly the way that it needs to be. And like, that does take a really excellent director to, to lay all that out. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's really artfully done in a way, both acted and shot uh, where we are so tied to these characters. Like even though Martin's whole problems, he's kind of like a nothing burger because you want to, you know, watch Mads Mikkelsen react to everything, that dinner scene, you know, where he starts to cry. There's a couple of times where he cries in this movie and you're just like, yep, that's it. I believe you. Yeah. I believe you, sad man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like, uh, even when they're like, we're going to push this further and in your mind, you're like, this is where the story has to turn because mm-hmm. we know as people who used to be in our 20s that living that way has consequences socially and physically. Um you're not like scared for them like you would be in like a, a a type of movie that was trying to like lecture you about something 
this is really just an exploration of these four men, I think. And it's not so much, even though it's a movie about them doing like a alcohol-based experiment, it's not like the full Monty where that just sort of becomes more important than the individual in characters the full Monty, the, the for a certain part of the block. And dance and... Yeah, it, doesn't go, it doesn't go the full Monty to, toward the He full does Monty. dance a bunch. It doesn't the go movie. the full Monty towards the full Monty. Which Not is a bunch. great. At the very beginning, he does a big it's, dance it's in, real... the, uh, in the restaurant, the beginning of the movie. Oh, no, right. he, does. he does do that. Does he, does so a little, doesn't he do a little bit of okay, dance? So... No, he gets up and then thing, everybody else dances in the restaurant, but he goes, uh, oh, my back. Right. And then, ah. sorry. But anyway, the other, th- the other thing I wanted to say is this movie is very tightly constructed in terms of everything that's shown or uh, tossed up as a reference is sort of like brought back. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in like the opening sequence, we watch uh, teenagers at this school that they, he teaches at uh, do a booze run around a lake where they have to drink a lot, and then they go uh, on a train, and the ticket conductor is trying to get them to calm down, and they handcuff him to a rail, and everyone's like, oh, we're having a great time. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie... Uh, there's like a quick one shot of the principal of the school and they they handcuff her to to a rail at the end. And she's like, oh, look, you got me now. And I'm like, every little, even the small moments that are kind of throwaways come back to echo in some sort of way. And it's just the ability to make a movie like this where there isn't a ton of dialogue and there are a lot of moments where you have to like interpret um, based on performance and based on composition, but then also have it feel like nothing's lost is, I think, one of the amazing tricks of this movie. Uh, there's another character who's like a football coach, and they're at a period of time where they were trying to figure out if different blood alcohol football, soccer, uh, but, you know, it's a Danish movie, so football coach. Um, and he's they're trying to raise the blood alcohol level, and he takes a sip, and then, like, the sun comes from behind him and sort of blocks him out as he closes his eyes. And me, personally, like, I, I've had that feeling of feeling a drunk set in in the bright sunlight. And to have that visually be part of not only the character journey, but of, like, how the movie was shot is just sort of, like, this movie is clicking on every level that it's attempting. I don't know if it has any big shots, in it in terms of like uh you know stunts or directorial thing the big dance sequence is probably the closest thing to like a you know sequence with a lot of extras that he has to you know pre-block but everything that it does attempt i think it achieves so well that it's sort of masterful on that yeah, I, level i will say the end like i love the ending i love a musical number obviously it felt bittersweet to me in a way that I feel like many people and like in interviews Thomas Vinterberg hasn't said that like it's meant to be a celebration of life it's meant to be him like letting himself back out into the world but it felt so sad to me at the same time that he was like out there joining the spectacle as like a 50 year old man among all these teenagers like am I was I just in the wrong headspace for that moment did you guys see any of that I mean I think the the journey is his wife, uh, I mean, this is going to like kind of spoil bits of it, but his wife tells him that his problem is that he's invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not only does he get sort of what he wants emotionally right before that scene, but it's about him being visible and dancing despite the entire time being one of being, you know, not wanting to rock the boat and pretending he had like back problems. Yeah. So I do. I did. It did read as an embrace for me, which isn't to say that it isn't bittersweet. 
because none of these guys like figure out that being drunk all the time means that yeah, everything famous, is you know like everybody. sad when it comes. I mean, the the thing about drinking is that it is awesome and terrible. <laughs> like, I I feel like this movie <laughs> is about drinking. It's a, a as much yeah. as as it's literally about that. And um, have you guys been drunk before? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't never, um, never around you. That's yeah. For sure. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I I, ha- I still have memories burned in my brain, not very specific ones, but just like that feeling when you get <laughs> wasted and with people you love and it's just jubilant and you don't know what's going on and it doesn't matter. And then the next day it's just colossal regret and like this feeling that you didn't know enough of what was going on and the idea that you could keep drinking to try and maintain that feeling. Um, I mean, this is what alcoholism is all about on some level. I, I just I recently watched Leaving Las Vegas. Is that a movie that you guys have mm. any recollection of? I've never, I've, really? I've never seen it. Um, vague, vague, I mean, vague. Celebrated film. Not something I care for. Not uh, Nick Cage won an Oscar for playing an alcoholic, someone drinking themselves to death, and um, it's sensational in in the the broadest term, which is like. I'm going to drink while at the bottom of the pool. I'm going to drink 800 beers. I'm going to have like three handles of vodka in my room, chugging, just chugging. And it's so exaggerated. Uh, And I understand that this happens to people, but it's like cartoonish the way it's portraying alcoholism. And I think this movie portrays alcoholism in the most grounded way possible, really getting to granular about like the excitement of drinking and the sadness of drinking and every i I can't think of one drinking shot in this episode where i wasn't like i want to drink that like Mm. even at the very beginning they're like describing vodka and when martin switches over and finally decides to have his first drink like that first sip he takes is like deep but like the way it's shot it's like yeah you know what i want that vodka it I because of the luxury of not being able to go to theaters, I can't get through this movie without drinking. I've watched it three times and always just like halfway through, I'm like, well, I tried. <laughs> the uh, the yeah, most of it does not have the like visceral desire to have a drink with it. Then the one that like sticks with me for the opposite of that is obviously the guy with three small children is the one who I relate to the most. I think he's the one who's turning 40 as well. And he like wakes up with like his child sleeping on him who's peed on him, which has never happened to me. I have to say that sucks. And that does not make you a bad parent for that to happen. Cause it could happen to anyone. But then he goes to the pantry and like drinks like half a glass of red wine first thing in the morning. Like it feels so awful to contemplate, but also man, I've woken up that way. Maybe that is a solution. <laughs> I mean, and do you think that the movie comes down on them for that? Like, is it, is it a bad solution? No. I mean, I think that's what also makes it not an American movie is that like you in any showing a father of small children drinking first thing in the morning would be like an automatically like huge red flag that you couldn't overcome in another story. And like if someone in my life were doing that, I would worry. But the movie is kind of looking at it from different angles than that. Like it's just not really willing to come down to that. Like it's not the point. And then the, all of our characters are also like presenting factual points about why this is a good idea that the movie doesn't necessarily contradict. Like he's teaching entire history lessons that are basically like, look at these world leaders. They were drunk all the time. Yeah, that's all true. Like that's, you know, I, I think the movie does a very good job at leaving the value judgment up to the audience outside of the very specific Martin and his wife. Uh, thing at the center of it yeah, yeah. these guys went on twitter and talked about this shit they'd be part of the dark intellectual web or whatever and uh um, yeah 
Well, that, and that's what makes it a human movie, right? Is that it's like it's so much less interested in moral judgments than just like what the result of and this what on friends their, can talk about and how friends family. can experiment and how friends can make mistakes. Yeah. What one of the other great things that I liked about this movie is really early on they discuss like with Martin, like, well, have you thought about having an affair? And he's like, no. And it's just like being able to have that real conversation between a bunch of dudes and not have it be like a plot point. Like we have to see him fail at, you know, attracting other women or whatever the American version of that would be. So we really get the point. It's just brought up and then they address it and then it's gone. You know, we don't spend a lot of time with Martin wondering if he should get another girlfriend or anything. And we don't spend a lot of time with them drinking with them hitting on people, which is also really refreshing. Yeah. Because that also could have, you know, gone off into the weird problematic area. Yeah. It's like a bad trip. It's just a movie about guys who want to be friends. Yeah, just want to be friends. They're about the same you thing. You drink a lot in them. See, sometimes you drink a lot. Sometimes a gorilla comes on your face. You just it takes all types. <laughs> Don't get addicted to microdosing gorilla cum. Um, imagine if Mads Mikkelsen was your teacher. You'd never learn anything. It'd be so distracting. It's crazy how they're like, are they all teachers or just three of them are teachers? One of them's a, but like, I no, they're like all teachers. We don't have that many male teachers in America. It's what? Just interesting. Yes, we do. Like in high school? Yeah. Really? What are you talking about? I've definitely, the vast, vast majority of my teachers are my really? high school Yeah. I would have like said 50-50 if I had been wow. put on the spot with high school. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Maybe it's the Southern Catch thing. up to the times. Sa- I mean, I'm, in the I'm south not, i'm not mandating gender catch catch up to the times with your the past <laughs> make aiken high school circa 1999 <laughs> have a better gender balance uh uh another round it's on hulu it's good you should watch it if you don't have a hulu subscription buy one now hulu sponsored by hulu this is a commercial sponsored by hulu sponsored by not hulu That does it for this week's episode. Next week is the week. Next week is Godzilla versus Kong. Kong bows to no one, but who will win? I haven't seen this movie yet. Pat, does you were tweeting about it, but I guess you shouldn't reveal your thoughts about it before next week's episode. I guess people can now dig up my tweets. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited to talk about it. It's uh, a long road to a a decent Godzilla versus Kong movie. (laughs) I feel like the monster verse has not been kind in the past. Uh, We're all excited. Uh... In the meantime, tell the people who you are. Matt Patches, senior editor at Polygon. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches, tweeting vague things about Godzilla vs. Kong. And uh, we have a website, fightinginthewarroom.com. If you're a new listener, you have so many episodes to go back to. If you're an old listener, go back to the hits. I don't know what they are, but I'm sure other people who listen to this show could tell you. Fightinginthewarroom.com. <laughs> And I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. I should also encourage you to leave a review. We might be talking about Godzilla vs. Kong next week, but I assure you we will find something you don't want to hear about uh, if you don't send us reviews. So leave us a review. Uh, iTunes preferably because it's a cold world with the iTunes algorithm at the center of it. Uh, you can also listen to me on The Storm, a Lost rewatch podcast where we're watching the ABC series Lost and it's getting all time travelly. And uh, that's it. That's that's me. 
I just looked up the release date of Top Gun Maverick to see if that's the one we should be counting oh down God. to because it's in July and that is when Matt Patches will have to eat a shoe. And <gasps> shoe, maybe... shoe, shoe, shoe. <laughs> should we share shoe facts? It's gonna every be amazing. Week until do we Top do Gun we Maverick? bump? We bump up the tenth anniversary special to the Patches. I'm gonna get vaccinated <laughs> and then immediately die from eating a shoe. That'll be great. <laughs> eating from, a shoe. Die from shoe oh, poisoning. No. <laughs> oh Lord. He <laughs> was the real Maverick after all. <laughs> Uh, I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at VanityFair.com and on the Little Gold Men podcast where this week I talked to Garrett Bradley, the director of Time, a documentary you heard us talk about a lot on our top 10 episodes. And she was great. She listened to it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at K-A-T-E-Y-R-A-C-H. And we're all on Twitter at F-I-T-W-R where you can send shoe recipes or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was... In honor of Godzilla vs. Kong, Aliens vs. Predator, and movies starring The Rocket Vin Diesel in the same scene, what two movie monsters need to face off and whoever wins, we lose battle. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll be back talking to you next week. I'm done.